Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder and CEO of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rulebook and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman from hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more. Whether you're pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Life is all about perspective. Change it and the world around you will start to change too. Today's guest, Tara Jay, can certainly attest to this. As an American who converted to Islam later in life, she witnessed firsthand how her faith's choice led others to treat her with intolerance and hate. Disheartened, she resorted to wearing a pair of heart-shaped glasses that she hoped would act as a shield against the negativity going on in the world around her. Turns out those glasses had quite the effect. Her new fashion statement was met with kindness wherever she went, so much so that it began to shift perspectives. Her confidence was back and she started to look forward to venturing out and interacting with strangers again. She wanted to share this experience with others so they too could find positivity in times of strife. Thus, the love glasses revolution was born. Before she knew it, Tara was manufacturing and selling her own heart-shaped glasses designs and encouraging others to also choose love. The love glasses community, which she affectionately calls love rebels, has greatly expanded since then. Now, thousands strong, her followers come from all walks of life, united by the shared mission to spread empathy, welcome diversity, and make the world a better place. Stay tuned to learn how the self-proclaimed love activist inspired a movement around acceptance and how you too can launch a business around a social mission. Welcome to the show, Tara. We're so excited to have you. Let's just start with, tell us what Love Glasses Revolution is. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Love Glasses Revolution to me is we sell heart-shaped glasses, but we are way more than that. We're a movement, a mindset, an attitude and a way to bring smiles and conversation into the world. So tell us about the beginning of your career. Did you always see starting your own business? Did you see yourself as an entrepreneur? Like how did this whole thing start? I was not always an entrepreneur. 
per se. I've always been creative in my life. I've always liked to create things that are beautiful and, you know, crafts and things like this. So I've always been a creative person. So this, this was something different though. So in 2015, we can take you back there. It was really a rough time in the world for me. You can see how I'm dressed. I'm an American Muslim. I wear a headscarf. It was not a good time. Muslims were on TV and not in a good way. Hate crimes were up 67%. And I even know that number by heart. I had friends calling me and asking if they could take me to the store, take me to the bank. And I'm thinking, my God, how bad is it out there? So one particular day in California, I was at a, at a place at a hotel and going to get breakfast and the TV was blaring and it said, what are we going to do with the American Muslims? Are we going to round them up? Are we going to put them in internment camps or what are we going to do with them? I remember just standing there shell-shocked and everybody's looking at me. I'm looking at them and I'm just thinking, I'm here for the French toast, just here for the French toast. So then I went home and I called my brother and I think I cried to him for like two or three hours, like just about everything. I had all that energy just pent up and he showed me this meme. It was a little guinea pig wearing heart-shaped glasses and it said, I can't see haters with my love glasses on. As silly as that sounds, that little meme at that time was the the catalyst that showed me that I want to be like this guinea pig. I want to go out and love anyway. I don't want to keep living in this fear. And it started this whole idea that I could not change what was going on in the world around me, but I could change my reaction to it. I could show up the way I wanted to. And in that was power for me. And at what point did you realize after launching this company that this was a, a movement? Were you really shocked by the response that you got from launching the business? Oh, definitely. The movement was just me running around town wearing heart-shaped glasses and asking and inviting people that I connected with to choose love. So it was absolutely not a business at that time. It was me just buying and handing out glasses and wanting to connect with people. So it's definitely evolved. And I had to work into it being a business, even being okay with it being a business. Because at the end of the day, what do I want? I want it to continue. I want this to keep going. And, you know, I couldn't financially, you know, support 7 billion people, right? I can't independently finance love in the world. So I had to figure out a way to do this. Yeah. And so what were some of the hurdles for you to overcome as you're growing, the business is growing and you make that decision to launch this as a true business with a social mission? Correct. It was, it was difficult because I think women in general have issues around money and accepting money, making money, not giving everything away. And so that is kind of my nature is to want to just give you everything. And it definitely took some development. It took friends. It took support teams. It took understanding the fact that I can allow myself to make money. You know, it was an acceptance thing. And I think a lot of women do struggle with this. I totally agree. And it's definitely something we see here at Create and Cultivate, uh, you know, money as a four letter word for women. It's a bad <laughs> word. It's a bad thing. And it's not true. Right. It, you know, it is truly not a bad thing. It's actually a really wonderful thing for women. So I'm happy that you were able to overcome that. <laughs> right. So now being on the other side of it, what would you say your number one money tip for small business owners would be when you're first starting out? Well, for me, one of the things I noticed was because I'm a giver 
and a pleaser of people that if I had a certain style of glasses, all of a sudden it would be, now I have to get 25 colors of that same style. I would buy an excess of inventory to serve my message, if you will, of choosing love. And I think that we really need to hone in on the details, bring it down and not overspend, make that mistake of overspending so much in inventory. I think it's a very challenging place to be. Yeah, especially with product. You're constantly playing the game of is it too much or not enough? It's a big financial risk. So is the company completely self-funded? Yes. Completely self-funded. Amazing. So what was some of the biggest risks that you've taken and how did you kind of navigate this new path once you decided to launch the company? The risk for me, I mean, it was showing up. That's the biggest thing because this company, this business is actually a literally direct extension of who I am, of my heart, of me. I mean, it's just Tara amplified, right? So figuring out what is what it is that I wanted, how I wanted to show up in the world was so imperative and I'm still doing self-work and I, I would advise anybody who has a business or a passion in the world to make the world a better place. Keep doing the work to find what your true north is because it matters. <laughs> your business is more than the goods you sell or the services you provide. It's the heart of the economy. That's why I'm teaming up with MasterCard to support entrepreneurs by sharing my tips and advice to help their businesses. Like how to pick a social mission that's right for your business. Now more than ever, society is sharpening its focus on social good. We're cognizant of the impact our actions have on the well-beings of others, as well as the health of our planet. We're holding the companies we shop from to a higher standard too. Today, I'm going to share my tips on standing behind a social mission that makes sense for your company. First and foremost, you want the move to feel authentic, not like you're just simply checking a box. Take the industry of your company into consideration as well. For example, if you run a food business, consider organizing a food drive or donating holiday meals to the less fortunate in your community. Keep the mission in line with the service or good you provide. And like any business move, do something different and innovative. Get creative. Give your customers a thoughtful, fresh social mission that they haven't seen before. And better yet, show your customers the behind the scenes of this decision. What research did you do? What are your company's personal connections to this cause? Convey just how much effort you put into this decision to them. For more tools and resources, go to mastercard.us slash localbiz. Mastercard.us slash localbiz. Together, let's start something priceless. So when you launched this, how did you know how to price things, how to build the website, how to get all these key components together to, to truly become a business? Right. I did. I definitely explored websites and did things, looked for heart-shaped glasses. I bought my own heart-shaped glasses. We looked at a lot of the price points. I mean, some of the glasses I have are similar to some name brands that they're selling for hundreds of dollars and we're selling, you know, $25. We want this movement to be open for everybody. So we just looked for ways to make sure that we work on the details, make the quality better and do everything. But our mission is so different. We don't want to be Ray-Ban. You know, we're not, we're not trying to be Ray-Ban. So what's been the most rewarding part of launching Love's Glasses and what have you learned from um, that side of it? There's just so much. I really enjoy the emails, the posts, the messages, watching on social media, 
people who tag us and show us the really amazing things that they're doing all over the world wearing these glasses. People are getting the message. They understand that they you know, can love themselves, love others. And what does that look like? And how does it show up for them? And they're just doing really cool things. And I I love watching this whole thing unfold and being part of it. Absolutely. And looking back, what would you say is the biggest obstacle you face? So obviously, you know, not everything goes as well as you wanted to. There's always a lot of ups and downs when beginning a business and now you're five years in. So what was an example of when something didn't work out for you and how did you handle it? I've had events that didn't go well. Like we've done a lot of different events. We set up at different things. We look for different venues that work with who we are. And that's challenging in itself, trying to figure out what place do you fit in? We don't exactly fit in like with festivals always because festivals, they want like low point stuff, low price point, And you don't have time to explain the message of who you are and different things. So we learned that the hard way. And we, one particular place we spent, oh my goodness, it was like $2,000, I think. And we set up over there. It was the most amount of money I've ever spent at an event. And it was a horrible turnout. I mean, it was rainy in Arizona, which never happens. It was a terrible location. Just everything that could go bad, right? And then I just sat and thought to myself, what's my goal? My goal is connecting with people. And I can still tell you the stories of people that I connected with through this event and who are now friends, customers, love rebels. I've got stories for days with that. So you have to redefine what success looks like to you. Looks like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that a lot of brands go through is is spending a lot of money to be part of these different events and maybe not feeling like they got the return that they wanted. But now that you don't have that as necessarily an option with COVID and everything that's going on with that. How have you transitioned your marketing efforts to be more online versus at these type of events? That's a great question. So we've decided not to do events. If you consider yourself a love leader and you care about what humanity is going through and you have your finger on that pulse a little bit, then maybe setting up events isn't the best idea right now and bringing people out. So we have promoted a lot of online sales, which we're currently doing. And one of the other things that I'm really proud about what we've done is, is the book in the middle of the pandemic or at the beginning, I thought, God, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I'm happy go lucky person, but I'm feeling like heavy. This is heavy. And what can I do to change that? So that's when I decided to, to write that book. And we have 53 authors that came together to talk about what love looks like. So you're talking about the book, Love Meets Life. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came to fruition and um, a little bit more about the stories within it? Absolutely. This was such an unexpected, amazing benefit of the, the whole pandemic. Just wanted to make myself and people feel better and remind them that there's good out in the world. And it was challenging. Some people that are really, really love leaders, they couldn't lend their voice to this project right now. It was too overwhelming for them. But others that did were just amazing. We have stories from like, love yourself, self-love for one to love looks like black liberation. I mean, there's 53 different diverse authors talking about what love looks like to them. And we have every kind of, you know, religion and 
gender. And I mean, it's just really, really deep and it's exciting. And, you know, obviously hearing your story about walking into the restaurant and hearing that um, on the news, you know, what advice do you have for women who are feeling self-doubt and wanting to have the courage to speak out on topics that are, you know, difficult to speak out about and or, you know, have the courage to launch something, you know, as a reaction to that? So what advice would you give to women who want that courage? I think this is such a passionate point for me because... I didn't realize I had something to say. I realized I played small for so long. And when I first showed up, it was at at the Women's March. And everybody was very angry, if you remember that time. And I decided, I want to show up with love. How do I do that? And I made a 12-foot banner that said, love for all. When I showed up, people were coming and gathering around me. They wanted to be with me. They wanted to hold the sign with me. They're like, where have you been kind of thing. This was the first realization that I even had a voice without even speaking. So from that point, I grew stronger every day. Every event that I went to, every time I went out and went to a community event, I went to a transgender awareness night. I learned that we, if I sat in the row with them, I was in the front row. If I sat up on the panel, it would be so similar the way they talked about being ostracized or othered or different things. And we have to know that we're so much more alike than different. And so my goal is to spend this movement is to spend my time allowing people to, to use their voice, like encouraging women use your voice. It matters. And obviously so much of this business is tied up into who you are, what you believe, and it has that authenticity that rings true. What advice can you share for women who are struggling to maintain their personal mission message authenticity while also building a successful business? I feel strongly that you, you can't serve two, you know, two different ways. You have to figure out what you're about and what drives you. I highly advise looking like learning your values, your core values, the things that motivate you. Currently, that's where, where my mindset is. Like I go back and visit this stuff. Keep focusing on who you are, what you want and how you show up, because only in that will the authenticity come. I believe. I don't see how it can be different. And knowing that you've been around for five years and then coming into 2020, which obviously presented unprecedented challenges, especially for small business owners, how did you keep motivated to keep going and create a new version of success for yourself? I think part of that might be with my creativity. I just think about what would I like? What would make me feel good as a person, as a human? You know, what I would like to hear about other stories. I, I, I'm that person, like hearing other people's stories of overcome and something good makes me feel like powerful. So that's where that, that idea came in. And I think that was the thing that kept me motivated through the whole pandemic. And, you know, we had a really cool few things like, once you become you and you're authentic in what you're doing, people want to help you or recognize. So we, in the middle of the pandemic, we did a MasterCard commercial, which was so cool. And it was just amazing. And, and that was all opportunity from somebody that just sent me an email, said, hey, you should fill this out. This is you. And so we did it. So a lot of these organic things start to come back to you when you just keep walking your walk. And do you have any recommendations? That's incredible, by the way, Thank being you. in the commercial. Do you have any recommendations on how to 
connect with people and network with people as a small business owner. Obviously you're based in Arizona. What advice do you have to connect with other small business owners to create that momentum and that network effect? So I definitely have joined local first Arizona. Like we have different business associations type things like that. But I'll be honest with you. I'm that person that just goes out and at the grocery store, you know, like meet someone and then I have to keep them forever. You know, they're my friend for life, like from the sprouts, you know, produce section. So I'm that person, but there, there's so many ways to connect. I think when you look for ways to help other people too, and serve and volunteer, then you make those connections very organically. Just be you. I love the sprouts produce. I, <laughs> that's, I can see that. I can see that. So what keeps you inspired and motivated to keep going, you know, even when things are challenging? Yeah, that's great. I have a really great best friend who helps inspire me and motivate me when I get down. So I have a really good support system. Uh, she's really cool. My family, uh, my husband's amazing. You know, there are times that you just think like, God, this is so crazy. Some days, you know, you're like, why, you know, it's just a lot of work. You're a one person show. You got, you know, right. As we're doing this podcast, you have 25 things waiting on your desk. Right. And so you just feel like some days it's just so much. And then you get this message, you see a post, you see an email, you get someone texting you and thanking you for, you know, just being a a leader in love or something just, and you're like, wow. And feedback or not even about me, feedback about other people. Like one woman, she gave her glasses to a whole team of her surgeons after hip surgery. And think about the impact that she thought so much of those glasses that she wanted to share this message with her doctors who just performed the most, you know, sacred thing on her body. Right. I, these are deep for me. Yeah, absolutely. Building a business that has that mission and that community is so rewarding, you know, when it comes down to getting those emails and letters and anecdotes for sure. So obviously you're five years in now, if you could go back to the beginning of your career journey with the knowledge and the lessons and the learnings that you have, what advice would you give yourself? Just keep moving forward is so huge because there are so many times I would get caught in details of should I or shouldn't I? What if, what if this, what if that? And, and I would sit and dwell in those spaces. I mean, the thing is, okay, try it. What's the worst that can happen? You know, I mean, you learn a lesson, something that you defra- you, you reframe, you spent money. Okay. You'll find a way to make more money. You know, it, it's just like, I would sit in different projects and just I miss opportunities, I think, because of it. You know, I would I would get in my own headspace. I think get out of your own way and just try it. If let me let me put a caveat, if it resonates with you. I mean, there are events that I've turned away because absolutely it wasn't my it's not that I didn't believe in their cause or what they're doing, but it didn't fit with who I wanted to show up. I want to show up for things that I'm for, not against, you know, I want to bring unity and inclusion. And if those things didn't work, then I would say no. And so just, I keep going back to know who you are. Yeah. Know who you are. And did you build a mission statement or was there like, to your point, you said no, which is very powerful and something that entrepreneurs need to learn. 
did you have a checklist? Was there things that you knew you needed or wanted as part of something to be a part of it? Because I think a lot of amazing small business owners that I talk to have that little checklist, even if it's in their head about what they want to do and what the mission is for the brand. Right. Does this align with me? Is this is this creating connections? Is this making the world better? And then there's different little ways I look at how, what that would look like. Is it bringing a unity, a unifying piece to it? You know, is it, is it diverse? Is it open? You know, there, there's just so many different things because I believe that's what love looks like. Absolutely. So what is a number one self-improvement book you always recommend and why? Oh, you're going to go there. I would say, God, there's so many, like learn your love languages is one. I'm reading one right now with my best friend. That's so good. And I can't remember the name of it. So (laughs) how's that? I love the love languages though. I always tell people to learn your boss's love language and how their communication style. Like for me, I'm really big on lists. Like I got this and I did this. I didn't do that. Like I just want to know in rapid fire ways versus can we hop on a phone call and chat? I'm not, that doesn't work for me and my style. And it's just so important to know that even about your customers, about the way you operate as a business. So that's, that's a great recommendation for not only your personal life and how you can improve, but for your business as well. So how are you seeing your business inspire others firsthand, um, you know, beyond the anecdotes that you just shared and what are your hopes for the future of the company? I mean, is putting 7 billion pairs of glasses on all the humans too much to ask? It might be for future, but I'm going to still keep working toward that. I mean, at least if we can get people to recognize, understand, choose love for themselves, love themselves love others. And, and, you know, I'm using it very vague, but I learned boundaries in this thing. Like you heard me say, no, the word, no, I mean, this was not in my vocabulary. I didn't understand that I could say no, that's the first step in loving yourself. So uh, these things are my mission. These are my goals I don't know how they're going to show up yet. As far as all the big pictures that I want to do with them. I mean, I could see, you know, talking to people about that anywhere we go, you know? (laughs) So I think this is exactly where we're supposed to be and we're just going to keep moving. I love it. One, learning that making money is not a bad thing. Asking for money is not a bad thing. Setting up those boundaries and knowing your mission. I think those are all really impactful lessons for any small business owner or entrepreneur. So let's wrap with some sentence finishers. Are you ready? I think so. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. The hardest career decision I ever made. Deciding what kind of business I should be, whether a nonprofit, whether, you know, LLC. I mean, this was really challenging for me. Oh yeah. That's challenging for everyone, especially when you're starting off. Which direction did you decide? We decided LLC, be honest with you. We were thinking about setting up both in a way, but we, we wanted the freedom, that freedom to, to just kind of do what we need to do. And there's a lot, it's a lot less, you know, rules around just being the LLC. Absolutely. The three qualities that got me to where I am today are, I would say compassion for people, that desire for connection, that desire for humanity and consistency, just keep going, never losing sight of your original idea. Consistency is key. That is for sure. The person whose career has inspired me the most is? You wouldn't know her, but I know her well. My best friend, she's had several careers, but 
the way that she just is fearless in the world. Her name is Deidre Aboud. She ran here in Arizona for U.S. Senate. Uh, she dresses like me. She faced some things that are just unbelievable. And she did it with grace, class, and dignity. She inspires me every day. Love that. When I feel fear, I... Analyze it and push past. What's going on here? Why? Okay, great. Push past. Let's let's get out of here. This space. Everyone's afraid of something. It's true. The best response to a negative comment is... <laughs> if I can use humor somewhere, I will so do that. I mean... Anytime I get a chance to, to laugh, I will. So that's my, my lead to deal with any kind of negativity. I think that's great advice. And I think that also works in business as well. I think disarming people with humor who maybe you're underestimating you is a great tactic. And love is... The answer to everything. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Tara. You are incredible. And can you tell us where we can find more about your business? Yes, we're all over social media, Love Glasses Revolution. And my website is myloveglasses.com. And I would love to connect with all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Jacqueline. For more inspiring conversations like this one, subscribe to Work Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. 